Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Everybody you hear that music, you know the show. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. I got a couple things here, these little gadgets I got to cut off here. You know, even though I, you know, had a birthday recently, um, I am trying my best to keep up with the gadgets. Can't let my kids get ahead of me. Can't let them know more than I know. You know, they always think they know more than the parents know anyway. But I tell you, somebody that does know more than I know about a particular subject matter that we're going to talk about in a few minutes is my good dear friend Jeff Nixon. I'm going to welcome Jeff in a couple of seconds, but I, I first of all want to just say to those of you out there who stayed up very late last night on the East Coast, I know you're a little tired right now, but I appreciate you tuning in. It was some great basketball last night. Uh, that I mean, a, a, a triple overtime in a playoff series is what you want to see. You want to see the young men giving everything they possibly can give in order to win a basketball game. And uh, there were people that were tired at the end of the game. Uh, obviously, OKC, Oklahoma came out on top. Uh, Memphis let one slip away. Uh, but it was worth your money last night. You stayed up late last night. You got your money's worth. So I know somebody who probably went to bed early is upset. But depending upon what team you're rooting for, you may not be upset. But one thing I'm a little upset about, I'm a retired player. So sometimes the former players, we get a little upset, but I'm not really upset. I'll, I'll take that back. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping and wishing that things will progress a little bit faster. But as they progress, I hope they progress and decisions are made based on the facts that they get all the information. And so somebody who has more information than I do, a little closer to things than I am, is like I said, one of my friends, even though he's up there in Buffalo, uh, he's still a friend, and that's uh, former Buffalo Bills, Jeff Nixon. Jeff, how you doing, man? Whoa, Jeff's not there yet. Okay, Jeff's not there, so I'm, I'm going to wait. Jeff will be with me. He'll be joining me uh, shortly, and uh, Jeff is going to bring us some perspective, some, some information, um, you know, based upon what's happening with the collective bargaining agreement. And that's, that's something that we need to talk about. It's something that affects my daily life. Uh, and it affects the life of a lot of people who are interested in, in football. So let me just, uh, I'm going to do one of these gadget things right now. I'm going to make sure that we get Jeff on the line real fast here. So what am I going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send a message, you know, back to the engineering department. 
And I'm going to give them a number uh, where they can call Jeff at. Uh, and I'm going to ask them to, to speak to the operator, push the operator, and make sure that they get Jeff on the line. I think that number is, uh, I'm putting out his number right now, 716-856-8139. See, we're going to call Jeff right now. And we're going to say, Jeff, it's time to get on the show, man. Come on, it's time to get on the show. But let's talk about last night's basketball game. I'm just going to say this. I, you know, Charles Barkley is one of my favorite basketball players of all time. And I, I, I honestly, I like Charles as a person a lot because the man just speaks what's on his mind. Bottom line, you know, we all got our opinions. We sit on them and sometimes they let something out. And it's not always gas. Sometimes it's something that means something. And Charles has a way of doing that. But I'm going to agree with Charles. I don't care if you are the most valuable player in the NBA if you are a point guard, you can't shoot 30 and 40 times every game and expect to be the champions of the National Basketball League. One reason back in the day that the Lakers and also the 76ers, and I'm going to go back and say the Chicago Bulls were good, is because they had designated point guards that understood distributing the ball. Magic got his whole team involved in the game. B.J. Armstrong got the entire Chicago Bulls. I mean, think about it. Scottie Pippen was a damn one of the greatest to ever played the game, too. You know, and, and, and B.J.'s job was to get the ball to Scottie and Michael and get it down inside sometime, too. Magic gave it to every damn body on that team. And Mo Cheeks, who is an assistant coach uh, with Oklahoma City, he, you know, was a great distributor for Moses Malone, Dr. J, and, and Andrew Toney. So I agree. A point guard today in the NBA, if they're going to win the championship, they need to distribute the ball. We're interested right now. The show's about to make a change and go a different direction because we're in, interested in the distribution of money. <laughs> I'm going to talk to a friend of mine, Jeff Nixon. Jeff, I'm glad you're, you're here with me, man. How you doing up there in Buffalo? Hey, good, Ray. It's actually uh, you know, pretty nice weather today. The sun was shining. It was about 65, so... Um, it's a dramatic change from what it was about two weeks ago when it was like 40 degrees and snowing. <laughs> well, well, Jeff, you know, that's funny, man, because I, when, I, when I hear you say that, you know, it, it's, it's been about, oh, I've been here since 2006. And it's amazing to me to hear somebody to actually celebrate a sub 70 degree day when, you know, here in the valley is so beautiful all the time. But but listen, I, I you know, I, I, I can't say that I don't understand what you mean, because when I, I remember my last few years of playing ball living in Cleveland, I never realized that people talk about what happens in Seattle. I never realized that in the wintertime in the Midwest, particularly places like Cleveland and Columbus, those are two cities I'm very familiar with, as well as Canton, Ohio. It's always an overcast, and the sun doesn't shine. Yeah. And it can be really depressing, man. So I'm glad you guys got some sunshine. But listen, I, I need your help, Jeff. Yeah. Um, uh, and again, as I you know, told some people before you came on, you know, different people receive different information. Some get more, some get less. But certainly you're in the mix and you're getting some. And I'm going to assume that you're getting uh, more than I'm getting. But, but there's a couple things. And I, first of all, I, I want to compliment you on your sharing of information. This is what I've always said, Jeff. In today's society, with, with this new media platform that exists, whenever information is received, it should always and can always be shared real time. Now, I may not open right. my email at the same time someone else does, but certainly 
you can forward that information to millions of people. And I appreciate the fact that you share sometimes your opinion, other times it's factual information, sometimes it's other people's opinions, but you certainly share information with us, and I want to thank you and commend you on that. Oh, absolutely. I, I appreciate the compliment, Ray. I mean, let's face it, I don't think you can ever get too much information. Uh, but at times, you know, you have to, you know, look at everything that's coming in and determine what's true and what's false, what's really more opinionated and what's more factual. Um, I, and I do a little bit of both. You know, I, I blog for both Fourth and Goal Unites and I, and I blog for the NFL alumni. And I'm not going to, you know, try to lie to anybody and say that I get it perfect all the time. Uh, as a matter of fact, I put out an article today. It was called Drew Brees Received Over a Half a Million as Officer of the NFLPA in 2010 and 2011. And what, what, a, what I found out is I got a, a good look at the financial statement that the, the uh, National Football League Players Association has to submit every year uh, to the U.S. Department of Labor. And in there, it, it showed that Drew Brees and, you know, all the other um, ten vice presidents uh, were receiving money. And, and so I assume this was for their actual uh, performance of duties as, as representing the, the active players. Uh, but then I found out that, no, that was money that they – and I'm not sure why they put it in there like that, because it was very misleading to, I think, anybody that, that reads the report. But – I found out that that is money that they got for appearance fees and endorsements and basically marketing opportunities. So I did I did do a um, an update to the post and indicated that it was, you know, those were marketing and appearance fees that they were getting. They weren't actually getting paid as, um, you know, for representing, you know, the active players in the union. So in a way, that's a comfort, you know. It's and but that was only part of my article. The other part of the article was when I was looking at the LM two. Um, there's an area in there that talks about what DeMora Smith, the president of the union, gets. And um, in last year's LM2, it showed that he made uh, $1,800,000. But this year, it only had $58,000 in, in the line for his uh, income. And I just thought that was rather unusual. You know, and I was thinking, well, maybe he's already taken up, uh, you know, Roger Goodell's, uh, I guess, challenge to, you know, take only $1, you know, if they, if they go to a lockout. And I, you know, and I, you know, to be honest with you, I think that's all just rhetoric because when you look further into the LM2, it shows that somebody, and I don't know who, but it shows deferred compensation in the amount of $3,484,000. And my question is, who is that going to? And I'm assuming some of that money is probably going to DeMora Smith, you know. So basically, he's, <clears throat> he's not, he's just deferring his compensation, I think. You know, well, that I, that that's really interesting that you uh, that you mentioned that uh, because that that that's something of which uh, is of great concern to many people because uh, the same material that you read, I also saw that that information, and I just assumed uh, because of, of, it's supposed to be a financial statement that those numbers were true and that they were accurate in terms of. I'm talking about Drew Brees now and the type right. of compensation that he was getting. Now, now that's that information is very misleading. I would suggest that those who put that document together are professionals and they should know the way of which a document should be sent out. Well, it's interesting. I didn't find out about this until I yeah, I mean, this is a 170 page document. OK, I had to read through the entire document until I finally got to some fine wording. 
and fine print where it indicates, I mean, it's very small, that line G of under, under that particular schedule, it was Schedule 11 that was in, in, you know, involved in this document, uh, indicated that the money that was in there for them was for uh, money that they got for appearances, uh, for endorsements, and for basically marketing fees that they were paid um, you know, through and, and I'm not sure if it's individual licensing agreements or group licensing. I, I'm assuming it's individual licensing agreements that the NFL <coughs> Players Association had got for these guys. And let's face it, you know, Drew Brees is more marketable than than most other players. So he got, you know, I'm, you've seen him on television, and a lot of those spots were were you know um, were secured by the the uh, NFL Players Association for him. You know, so and I'm not sure. You know, the NFLPA they probably get their cut, their marketing cut for the for lining these up for him. But um, what's interesting, you know, and I, you know, a lot of people think I'm being too critical of Drew and some of these other people, and and you know, and I have been in the past, and you know, and basically because Drew has made some really stupid statements regarding retired players, and I I'm not even going to get into that. But you know, I I realize that he does a lot of good things in the community too. So don't get me wrong on that. Uh, you know, he, right now he's actually paying for guys to come to a camp and get ready for the season. So, you know, I, he's a, he's you know he's got um, the active players at, at heart with this whole thing. But I don't know about retired players. You know, I mean, some of the things that he has said in the past and and um, some of the things that he's been pushing for don't really particularly help retired players. You know, and in one of the statements he made, he said that he was concerned that um, that the that players needed, you know, uh, four years in order to get five years of free medical. They needed to get four credited season before they get five years of free medical when they retire. And I was like, well, geez, we didn't, none of the guys that played before 1993 get any of that, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we were like, you know, where is, the, where is the outcry about the pension plan and the disability plan? Where, where is his statements about how they need to really beef that up and, and, and go back and, and help the guys that didn't get all these benefits that they got. You know, the second career savings plan, the annuity plan, the health reimbursement account, tuition assistance reimbursement. It goes on and on. The 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 uh, NFL pays 736 million annually just in benefits. Okay, that's the owners. They're they're giving these are benefits for um, for the players. Now, part of that is money that goes into the pension plan. Okay, so there's a requirement that the the pension plan is 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 kept up to up to par you know that it's you know and that's the fiduciary requirement of the NFL owners to make sure that money is in there and that it is capable of paying out you know the the um, you know the benefits to to both um, you know retired players and active players which is interesting because they have to make sure there's enough money in there for guys that are vested and as you know you know there's a lot of guys that are playing in the NFL right now that are vested so the contribution to the pension plan is not just for retired players. It's, it's, it's also for the benefit of active players when they do eventually uh, retire. So, but when you look at the, the breakout of how those benefits are paid, uh, you know, mostly I would say about $400 million of that is for guys that you know, basically retired at, or played after 1993. Hey, Jeff, let me, if I, if I could, for perhaps maybe for some of those people who, who are not aware, uh, there's been a dispute going back and forth many times between, uh, let's say, a group of players who played, you know, before 
uh, the current guys that are playing now. So, yeah. I, you, you know, so let, let's have this discussion, if you will. There's nine billion dollars out there and there's been a discussion out there as you talk about pension, particularly for those that are, are away from the game, such as yourself and myself. Uh, there have been statements that have been thrown out there that that the NFL, the owners, uh, don't pay anything towards the retired players' benefits. Now, let's think about this. Now, there's not, there's a pot of nine billion dollars. If there's a split of sixty forty, can you, in your own words, explain if that pot, which is a hundred percent of it, is nine billion, and a portion goes to the players and a portion goes to the owners after they make their split, they take their split. Do the owners then? Make a contribution to the retired players' benefits? No, no. Can you explain to our listeners exactly how that works out there from yeah, your understanding? Yeah. And this all started to take shape in 1993 with the historic you know, uh, signing of the 1993 collective bargain agreement. The, the owners agreed to um, free agency for the, for, the, for the players, and in return they said they want to put a cap on the amount of money that they will pay toward um, salaries and benefits, okay? And they, they, at that time, the, the, the cap was at about 50%, okay? So 50% of all revenues every year that come into the league would go to the active players to make decisions. Uh, well, they, they make the decisions in the, in the, in the, at the beginning of a collective bargaining agreement, that, and it runs through the term of the agreement. But all of the money for those salaries and benefits includes retired player benefits, too, so they put it all under the cap, okay? So this is where it kind of put active players and retired players at odds is because if they give us any money under that cap, it takes away what they can give to themselves. You, know, you get that? Oh, I get that, Jeff. But here, here, here's, the, here's the, I guess, the point that, that I, I wanted you to clear up for people is that, again, it's not like it's a separate pool of money. It's this $9 billion, and all money that's going to be distributed in any form or fashion is going to come out of that nine billion, and, exactly. And 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 if there's a split, are you responsible to pay your contributions uh, from that split? So, in other words, if there's nine billion, and if, and if, if the players are getting, uh, you know, uh, they're sixty percent, so nine times six, you know, five point four billion. Right. It, it, that five point four billion, are they responsible to take some of that money and put it into retired players' benefits? And if that's the case, is that why they're upset because they're saying it's coming out of our sixty percent of which they think they should get paid for playing? Or is it just the opposite? The owners have got their part over here, which will leave them with 40%, and 40, which that's going to be $3.6 billion. Are they to take it out of their portion no, and no, make the it, contribution? What the owners are saying is that, look, we've got, we make, we, we draw $9 billion in revenues from our business. This is our business. We're going to give you 60% of that, okay? And out of that, you have to figure out what you want to put in for your salaries and benefits for both the active players and retired players. Gotcha. So the money comes out of that pot. Not the owners; they keep their forty percent, and they use that to their for operations, for right. operational right. expenses, for paying right. the managers and the the general managers and the coaches and the front office and the scouting departments and you know just everything that goes into it. You know, and that's where the owners are a little bit upset. They feel like they're getting us that that is getting squeezed, especially with some owners that are in smaller markets. Mm -hmm. But so so you can see where the the problem lies here is that, you know, 
what, but what we're saying is, look, that salary cap has gone up, every, went up every single year from 1993 until 2010. Right. It went up every, I mean, it, substantially. I mean, and, and so we were trying to tell the active players, look, it keeps going up, so you should be able to, you know, give us some some better increases in our pension, and you'll still have additional money left over for other things. But what we, what started happening in 1993, instead of putting the money into the pension plan. They just started creating these other benefits that were exclusive just to the guys that came after 1993. I got you. Now, that makes a lot of sense there, Jeff. And he- here's something else I, I want you to kind of, uh, you know, help educate our listeners on this. Now, you and I are the guys, you know, we're old school. Okay, so so we were in a position exactly, uh, you know, in 1987, we were a part of this thing of the last time there was a work stoppage. Right. And, 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 and we've got the time and years and experience and wisdom of looking back over our lives. So it's pretty much the way we look at our kids. We try to educate them and, and try to prevent them from making some of the mistakes that we've made. So let me, if you will, take yourself back to 1987 and, and your mindset in 1987. And now let's, let's fast forward to today. You're older, you're wiser, you're, you understand this business a little bit better. Are you not trying to share some information with the younger players that's actually going to benefit them and they may not understand? Now, they may think that these, these 401K plans and these other things are going to help them, which they are going to help them. Yeah, yeah. But, but you're also talking to them about their health benefits and all these, some right. of these other things that don't exist. So, right. so you're actually trying to help say, guys, listen, I'm like, I'm like your dad. I'm like your mom. Yeah. I've lived life a few years, and I'm going to tell you, you may think everything's going to be fine on the other side, but let me really share some of this with you. And it's better to the old cliche, you can pay me now or pay me later. You're actually trying to tell them, guys, it's going to be better if they pay you later because you're going to need that money then. Oh, yeah. Well, let me, and I'm going to go back a little bit further because I was involved in the strike of 1982. I was too. I didn't want to say that, but yeah. yeah but, <laughs> but let me say this. I, you know, yeah, it dates us a little bit. I'm, I, I will be 55 and eligible to take my pension this October. Well, I just turned 52, so I'm going to catch you. <laughs> okay, so let, let's, you know, let, yeah, and I think there's, you know, obviously as you get older, you hopefully get a little bit wiser about things. So, uh, but the things that we were fighting for, and keep in mind, we went on strike in 82, and we went on strike in 87 because we didn't feel we were getting a good deal. What the owners are doing right now is they're kind of like going on strike. They're saying, look, the, the, the balance, the, the, the scales have tipped a little bit too far, and so in a way you can look at this lockout as like their way of striking against players. So we did it, and now they're doing it to us, you know, and they just they feel like we've, you know, and, and, and you know, many of the active players have said, look, we got a good deal. As a matter of fact, DeMora Smith wanted to extend the current deal for two years while they worked out the CBA and, and, and you know, did some other things. But you know how that goes. I mean, they, yes. the owners would have no leverage if they did that, and it would just, you know, everything would stay the same for two full years, and they didn't want that. Uh, but one of the things, you know, I mean, when you go back and you look at the history of collective bargaining, you know, players, every time we went on strike, and this goes back to, you know, 74, and then, you know, and even before that there was a strike, you know, not, not very long ones, but, you know, in 1982, we had a, we, we shut down the NFL for seven weeks. We could, you know, we, we eliminated seven games, and it got, it got to the point where the NFL was getting scared about it. They, they didn't want to lose the entire season, but, you know, we got some significant things out of that. We got, we got probably one of the most significant things was we, uh, got the owners to give us all financial information on contracts. And why was that important? Because when the players knew what other players were making, 
it was easier for us to go to the table and negotiate with the owners. Before 1982, no one knew what anyone else was making unless a player disclosed that to the public. And most of the times they didn't. So you're right, so in terms of fair market value, you really didn't know what it was. You didn't know what your fair market value was. So when that happened, boy, it was just, it opened the floodgates. Guys were like, hey, I'm making 40000 less than this guy, and I've been all pro twice, and he hasn't, he's never been an all pro. And, you know, so all of a sudden their, their, their leverage uh, you know, increased dramatically, and so, and that that was just one thing. And then, of course, we got. But we also uh, found out they weren't paying us very much back in those days, too, Jim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, that was that was the sad and uh, true thing. I mean, I was yeah. making. Uh, it was my uh, third year. Let's say 80, 79, 80, 81. It was my fourth year in the NFL, and I was making uh, fifty five thousand. And I was, year. and I was making. Uh, Thirty, uh, uh, well, no, at thirty-five, and I had to make—I had to have a salary adjustment to be making the new minimum wage, which became forty in nineteen eighty. Exactly. For me, it was eighty thousand. I was like, I went from fifty-five to eighty thousand. So you, you got also you got a raise too, then, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah so, I yeah. mean, but those were, and and that that still is in place to this day. So the we won. We, so we won. We didn't lose, Jeff. And you know, many times you hear people say that we lost. Oh the, no, 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 no. Let me tell you one of the other significant. Uh, things that we achieved in that strike of 1982, the ability to get a second medical opinion on an injury and the, and the choice of the doctor to perform the surgery. Before 1982, I, I don't think people realize this, the, the, the team doctor was the only one that could diagnose your injury. Yes. The team doctor and the team surgeon were the only ones that would perform the surgery until 1982. That changed. Right. We all of a sudden got second medical opinions. We could get the doctor of our choice. I mean, if you had a team butcher like we did in Buffalo, then you, you have, have what happened to me. I had five knee surgeries, and I never played again after the – and I had a total reconstruction, never played again after that, you know. So, wow. I mean, we just, he just didn't do a very good job on my knee, and it's, it's sad, but that happened to a lot of players all throughout the league. We also set the um, – as I mentioned, the minimum wage scale. We, we, got, we increased the pension plan. We got some disability reforms. Um, we, we got severance pay. We set it up where, you know, if you played in the league like four years, you, then when you leave you get a, uh, a check for – Leaving, you know, basically, yes. it's, your, it's your, you know, boot out the door. There you go. Right. You know, and there was a, you know, but we didn't really get very much in the way of disability uh, reforms. And that's where there's been some significant increases over the years. And as you mentioned, you know, these guys need to look at what's going to happen to them down the road. One of the things that we've been trying to do and advocate for is the elimination of what they call the 15-year window for filing for line-of-duty disability when you leave the NFL. In other words, the date that you retire, you have 15 years to file for what, what you would consider an injury that you occurred in the line of duty while you were playing or while you were practicing, okay? If you don't do that, after 15 years, it's done. You, the, technically, by law, you can't go back and do that, okay? So we're trying to say, let's drop that because a lot of these injuries, they, they, they occur during football, but they really don't start manifesting until later in life, and then you start having some real issues with those. So we're trying to see if they, we can get them to drop that. Um, you know, just a lot of other little things that are regarding the disability plan that, that we'd like to see changed. I'm not going to go into all of those, but obviously for most of the guys, the biggest um, thing that will improve their quality of life would be a substantial increase in the pension plan. And so what we have advocated for at Fourth and Goal, and with the Buff, or, and excuse me, I was going to say the Buffalo Bills alumni, the NFL alumni, what we have advocated for is that the establishment of a rookie 
salary scale. But now, you know, and I've talked about this before, we, we shouldn't call it a salary scale. We should call it a bonus scale. Because all we're asking is that the, they set a, a scale for the, the size of the bonuses, particularly for those guys that are in the first round. Yes. As, as, and I've written about this before, but, you know, as you know, about $528 million was paid out just in bonuses to the rookies last year, those first 32 picks. This year could be the same thing unless we get this thing in place. Um, and that is where a significant amount of money can come to help retired players in their pensions and also help veteran players. Because that it was a two-prong approach that we had on this thing. And I, me and Joe DeLamalure had gotten 80 Hall of Fame players to sign a letter that we sent to the active players asking them to institute it and do this. And that you know, we were asking them to put $100 million annually or for the term of the collective bargaining agreement into the pension plan to help those the pre-1993 players, you know, because after 1993, you know, those guys did pretty well for themselves with all the benefits and, you know, stuff. So what we're trying to do is see, you know, if we can help all those guys that played before 1993 um, and, and really do a, a substantial increase and, and make the, the, uh, the pension similar to what's happening in baseball. And uh, Jeff, one, th- one thing I, I wanted to say is that I, I know one thing that that's for sure uh, that we need to address is there are some um, some of the best football players to ever play the game. I mean, even when they put together the 100 or the 200 best football players of all time, there are some guys who played maybe perhaps in, in the 50s, 60s, and 70s that would be inclusive of that. So certainly my next comment is going to address that issue, and that is there are some guys uh, that played in that generation that their pension is as low as maybe $200 a month, so you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not excited about this increase of pension of perhaps maybe sixty percent. Yeah, it, because sixty percent of nothing leaves nothing. exactly, <laughs> and that's why I'm not excited. So, right. uh, is it a chance that we perhaps maybe could be, you know, trying to negotiate at least a minimum that these guys could receive because they're not yeah. going to be on this earth much longer. They, yeah. I, who knows? I may go tomorrow, but right. But you, one but of you, the thing, yeah, one of the things that I've pushed for, and some other guys are is starting to gain some traction, is that. You know that we try to do not a percentage increase, but just a flat uh, monetary increase. In other words, if you know if you played in the NFL for four years, then you get a you know let's say a five hundred dollar uh, increase in your monthly pension. Mm-hmm. Let's say you played six years, you get seven hundred or eight years, a thousand. You know what I mean? Something yes. Where you it's just a, don't base it on a percentage of what you're currently getting. And let me tell you exactly why these guys are getting extremely small pensions, and this is important to know. Back in, you know, before 1993, uh, the, the players' union had negotiated a ben- what they called a benefit, but it turned out to be a nightmare. But the benefit was called early retirement, where guys, instead of waiting until age 55, they could take in what is known as early retirement at age 45. Now, the problem with taking it at age 45 is it, it more than reduces the amount you would have gotten at age 55 by half. In other words, let's say you were supposed to get 1000 at age 55 per month. If you took it at 45, you'd get less than $500 a month. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, and then on top of that, other, some people, when you take your retirement, you have certain options you take. You, you know, lifetime and a thing that, that covers your wife even in the, in the event that you die. Uh, but there was this one option, it was called the uh, Social Security election. And what that did is it gave you even some additional money in your pension at age 45, 
but at age 62, your pension would drop down to like $50 a month. <laughs> wow. And yeah. so this is what a lot of guys did. And not, you know, and I don't think the guys realized that the NFL would take off the way it, it would and that it would be, just be this huge money-making machine. And, and, so when, and, and a lot of these guys were in distressful situations. They didn't make a lot of money when they played during their careers, and they got into situations where they needed to, they needed to take early retirement. It was just it was critical to them. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. Now, now the problem was, you and I both know, if, if they didn't have that money, let's say it wasn't available to them, they would have, tried, they would have made ends meet somehow. You know what I mean? And, and the problem is the NFL Players Association even allowed them to take that in the first place. In 1993, the NFLPA finally got smart and said, we're not going to allow anybody to do that anymore. So they stopped it. You know, so it. Basically, what they did is they admitted that it was wrong in the first place for, for them to put that in place. And, and so, you know, so you have all these guys, I mean, hundreds of guys that took this early retirement and the Social Security election that, that got, you know, when they turned age 62, their, their pension went down to like nothing almost. And it was just... And so these little increases based on percentages that we've talked about, they, again, if, if you're getting a 60% increase on $100, you're going to get $160 a month instead of 100 You know, I mean, come on. That's not doing anything for these guys. And so our, our position is, look, let's do a flat fee increase to the monthly pension. You know, and, and for these guys that are maybe getting less than 200 a month, you know, if they got an additional you know, 500 or $1,000 a month, in addition to their, you know, their current payment, it would help them significantly. But um, I, I don't know. You know, I'm not sure if there's a lot of traction on that yet. I know that's something that the NFL alumni has endorsed, and and we would like to see something done in that area. But you know, unless the NFLPA, unless Demora Smith and the active players want it, we're not going to get it. Yeah, I, I know exactly, um, you know, what you're talking about there. And certainly for me, I, I think you look at it, whereas, you know, these are men that, that uh, are men of, of great dignity. And, and yeah. certainly they, they probably took it at the time because they needed it. It certainly, yeah. you know, helped them at that time in their life. But when they get to that age of 62 and that number drops significantly, as you said, down to sometimes less than $100, that, yeah, that's, Ray, that's not a good thing. Let's face it, Ray, that's when people really need the income yes. because they're, 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 they can't really work as well and so you know i mean they're getting up in age and you know you want to have a nest egg that can help you and i it's just it's it's just such an injustice that they were allowed to even take that in the first place you know i mean you know at the time they probably thought you know a lot of guys were told that their their life expectancy was like 55 years of age you've heard that before haven't you oh yeah i've heard that and and you know well jeff a lot of guys do clock out of here a little early for you know that play football <laughs> yeah, you know. know some of and, them do it voluntarily yeah too, right? oh yeah yeah you're right but uh and and they did enough damage to their bodies they did clock out a little early but listen yeah uh, and and god knows that that's just uh in 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 humor with you and i and uh you know I, the families of those who've lost oh, their I know, loved yeah. ones you, you know, know we, I, I laughed about that yeah. but you know i mean it's tragic for someone like oh, that. Oh family. no, Dave's not. No, we're not even putting. We're not putting Dave and and yeah. Andre and those other guys. Uh, you know, Mike Webster. No, they're not even a part of that conversation. Yeah. It's the other guys that that abuse their their life. You right. know, with drugs and alcohol and, yeah. and and other things that they should not have done. But right. uh, still, we love them and we miss them. Listen, I got to yeah. take a break, but Jeff, I want you to hold on because we're going to talk about a, a few other things on the other side of the break. Uh, that's good. very interesting. So we're going to take a break. We're going to.
going to come back after this message. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And my friend Jeff Nixon is in Buffalo. It's a little warmer up there, but it's still cold. <laughs> we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Fantasy sports is where the action really is. Over 40 million people play fantasy sports, but rarely do they get to quiz the experts. Fantasy Insights is the name and the game. Tune in every week as Dish Adams and his guests clue you in on the fantasy football game, what's happening on and off the field, and how it will affect your fantasy team. These experts aren't just beat writers assigned to fantasy football. They live and breathe the game. Tune in to Fantasy Insights with Dish Adams every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Okay, we're back. You're listening to Real Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Uh, got my friend Jeff Nixon with me as well. And, uh, you know, before we went to uh, break, well, actually, when we were uh, off the air there, Jeff, Jeff and I started talking about a few things. And I, and I of course, wanted to share that uh, with those of you out there who are listening. And, um, you know, there there's a lot that goes on. There's two organizations that, that represent, you know, former players such as myself and Jeff. And, and one is the NFL alumni, and there's also the, the former Players Association, of which is connected directly with the NFLPA. And at least for me, and I've read some things that you said, Jeff, uh, whereas uh, what's important to you is that we should be able to all get along and, and we should have at the core should be what's best for current and retired players. And that should be the agenda of the leadership. And we then, those members, should hold them accountable. Do, am, am, did I say that right? Does that make oh, absolutely. sense? Absolutely, yeah. I, I, th- I really think if, you know, it's important for organizations 
to be held accountable. And it's it's difficult if you're a if you're a member of the organization, especially if you're being and I, we talked about this before. If you're being wined and dined, and you're you know you're you're being you know basically courted, you know, and you're giving all these spef- special privileges, and and it happens in a lot of organizations. That's how they. You know, the, DeMora Smith is a lawyer. He he knows the game, and he's going to take care of Drew Brees and Mike Vrabel and, and uh, you know, Brian Dawkins and, and all these guys that sit on the executive committee. And, and one of the things you saw in there is that, you know, in, in the last article that I posted is that they've been getting, you know, the, the endorsements and the fees. The thing that concerns me, though, Ray, about the, the union is that you've got DeMora Smith sits as the union head, okay, but he also is the chairman of the marketing arm of NFL players, okay? So in that role, he, he basically can deny a union member that potentially speaks out about the union. He could deny him marketing opportunities. Well, yeah, and I, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't particularly, you know, like that, that, you know, he's got that, uh, you know, that zero power to, to just yeah. X, X you out. You know, I certainly don't like that. But 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 one thing I think, I mean, in a democratic society, listen, we got Republicans and Democrats. So why shouldn't there be? I know when you when you have a position like that, you like to get things done in such a way that, you know, the, the bureaucracy is not there. You if you need something passed or OK or agreed right. upon, you want to make it. But there needs that everybody can't agree all the time. And right. so there right. should be some oil and water kind of thing going on there sometime. So find some guys that just will never agree with you just so they can make some other people think because if, if those guys are there and we, we've witnessed it before and I'm going to kind of lead into this Gene Upshaw thing whereas, you know, and listen, Gene did a lot of good things and he did a little a lot of bad things, but but there was good and bad. Right, right. But uh, I agree. we always want to focus on the bad. That's the kind of society we are. And so, you know, there were times where things were happening there. I mean, you're aware of the uh, the big lawsuit that was bought upon uh, I think right. it was settled for 27 million dollars of which of which D signed off on that. D Smith yeah. signed off on that and said we don't want to spend more money, you know, in the courts, so right. forget the appeal portion of it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Part of what went on in that administration is they everybody was just the kind of yes guys. Right. I, but you you didn't hear about a lot, with the exception of I believe, you know there was some you know some disagreement and pushback from I'm going to call a name out Troy Smith. I mean uh, uh, Troy from uh, Troy Benson. Benson. You Troy know tr- I think sometimes Troy didn't always agree. Right. And 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 that that made its way down. We you know that information was filtered and we all. So I I'm kind of like you in a sense that. Okay, yeah, we want to hold them accountable, but the only way we're going to be able to hold them accountable is you got to have a voice, you got to get the information, right. and you got to be able to speak up and not feel threatened by I'm not going to benefit from, you know, the benefits because right. I spoke against the leadership. Yeah, and it, and I think that needs to change to be quite honest with you, Ray. I I really think it there's it it lends itself to an abuse of power when you have a, a union boss that also is the the chairman or president and he's the chairman there and that's not just because it's demore smith we're just saying period anybody period yeah it should not there should not be this system where i mean you don't see that in probably any other unions in the entire nation where you've got this you know somebody that heads up both units you know and it's and really we're not even sure how how much they're truly connected i mean i there is a there's a line item in the financial statement that shows like 300 some thousand for a minority interest 
And I'm like, well, who is the minority interest? Who are these people that originally, and I think it might be Doug Allen, still getting money from the NFLPA. I mean, I, I don't know that for a fact, but... You well, know, we, but we, did, we should not, there should not be two guys here that are former players uh, that played this game and helped build this game, that there is a line item there, an asterisk, that, and we can't tell you, you right. know, from an informed decision of who that is. That's not right. Exactly, exactly. And we don't, you know, they, they don't, the, play, the active players don't really know what's going on with the marketing arm. They, they know that there's money to be made, you know, and, and they do, everybody does sign a group licensing agreement. Every player signs a group licensing agreement at the beginning of the year, and typically the NFL, through NFL Ventures, gives them about $44 million to be able to market those guys. Now, each of those guys sign the GLA, and they get about ten to $15,000, you know, for doing that, for allowing the NFL to market them. But, but the NFL... PA also markets these guys, and they have exclusive gr- agreements with different, you know, like Tops, you know, Upper Deck, um, Madden Football, you know, all of these different vendors that want these guys. And, and so, you know, but, but again, you know, they, I mean, that's who, who makes the decisions on who gets marketed and who doesn't. Well, Jeff, you know, Joe, Joe DeLomler, you know, he, here's a Hall of Famer. He's never really gotten marketed by those guys, and it's probably, it probably has something to do with the fact that he's been outspoken against the, the union. And, and I think, you know, if they were fair about this thing, you know, they, they would set it up where you've got maybe retired players or active players that are the chairpersons and the, and the, and the board of directors on that, you know, and not and because right now um, they've got 110 employees for NFL players, the marketing arm, and they're getting paid $11 million a year. So the average salary is $100,000 for, for a typical employee at NFL players. There's not one single active or retired players working for that organization. And all of the money that they derive is from retired and active players, you know, what we generate. Well, here's, here's where I have a problem with I, You know, I, and you and I have talked a little bit about this in the earlier segment where we talked about you know, let's look at things now, but let's also look at things prior to when we were playing ball and, and we were in our, you know, mid-20s, you know, or, or late 20s or, or early 30s. Right. Uh, in fact, I retired at 30, so I was out of the game. But but here's – I didn't know. It's like everything else. I, I only wish that I knew now – I knew then what I know now. Yeah. And, and I would say that about those players – that are making these decisions. They don't uh, know. They're not edgy. They haven't had time. Right. Yeah, some of those guys are very intelligent. They've got great degrees from some great universities, but they have not taken place in corporate America to understand how business functions and how it runs. I think, personally, that you mentioned Hall of Famers. If you're in Hall of Famer, you've been out of the league for X amount of years, which is probably giving you some experience in, in corporate America. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with there being a change of power, and I don't think this will ever happen, but I think it will because I think they would be better prepared to make a good business decision if they spend some time in business. Right. And, right. But what's happening, we've got kids who have come out of college. Some of them completed a degree. Some didn't. Yeah, uh, well, let, yeah let, me, let me bring this up, Ray, because this is very important. The NFL alumni has started a career and business transition program. And, and, it's, and it's just got underway, and they've got classes, and they've got tutors, and they've got mentors for this thing. It's, it's phenomenal. I, and, I, and I'm looking forward to that improving every year that they have it in place because, 
yeah, these guys, especially these young guys today, man, they're coming out with a lot of money, that, and that money can disappear. And I'll tell you what, the crash for them is going to be a lot worse than it was for us. Yeah, but I'm, yeah. I'm thinking this way, Jeff. Not only uh, the loss of their money, I'm even thinking about the business decisions that are going on in this negotiations. They're not really prepared. When you oh, think right, about right. it, they're not yeah. really prepared to be making these kind of decisions. Well, you know what? I think most of them are just they're putting it into DeMora Smith's hands. They're saying, look, you do it. It, this is what we hired you for. You get it done. We'll follow the lead. And there's not, like you said, there's not a whole lot of guys in there that are questioning his tactics. And, his, and a lot of people feel that maybe at this point that his ego may have been getting in the way. Not just his, but Roger Goodell's too. You know, and, that, that they're, and, and Jeff Pash. You know, Jeff Pash is the lawyer for the, for the NFL owners. And, and DeMora Smith, has a, he's got a stable of lawyers too. And he brought quite a few of them with the law firm that he used to work at. You know, as a matter of fact, the, one of the guys that he worked with is heading up the marketing arm. That's, that's, the, that's the president of the marketing arm. And so he put one of his guys in there too. So it's, it's gotten into a situation where they're trying to see who's the smartest guy in the, in the court, you know, and, and, and that's just going to make everybody look stupid. Well, if I'm not know? mistaken, uh, doesn't Roger have a legal background as well? Oh, he may. I don't know, but yeah. he's not doing any legal stuff. He's just the front. He's the spokesman. He's the he's the front man for the owners. Yeah, I understand you know? that. But I mean, but what you got to think about it. You're you're right when you talk about egos. I mean, I, I don't know. I wouldn't say this, but if if, if DeMoris's uh, you know bread has been buttered with a, a legal work, <laughs> you know, yeah. what more would he want than to have this thing you know find its way in the courts, you know, so he could he could uh, you oh, know yeah. prove how good he is, you know. And well, let I, me say this, Ray, and I, you know, I, as much as I uh, may have you know uh, criticized you know Demore Smith and some of the things that have happened with the NFLPA, you know, I I hope they can win. You know, and that they can get the owners to give them what they want. Don't get me wrong on all this. I, you know, I think Demora Smith has the upper hand right now. I mean, if they, if they rule that the lockout is invalid, the, the owners are really going to just have to come back and do something. They're, they're, they can't go the way they did the last time in '87, where they were, you know, having to having to continue to play while being sued in court. That's they're not. That's not acceptable to them. <clears throat> you know. Um, my only concern is that you know is that retired players get what they're what they deserve out of this whole deal, and it's and 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 I guess if you know if if worse comes to worse, you know we're going to be the ones that are you know left out in the cold on this whole thing, you know, and that that really concerns me. I, I you know some people say that I'm you know sympathetic to the owners. That that's um, that's just a crock of you know what, and uh, you know I have encouraged guys to file class action suits against against them. Right now, there's one that's. Um, in the courts versus NFL and NFL Films. And Elvin Bethea and Dan Pastorini are two of the plaintiffs in that. And I, I encourage all retired players to sign up for that because the NFL has been using our images without our authorization for 50 years. And it's time for that to end. You know, and I, I, uh, Ray, you probably feel the same way about this as I do. We're entertainers. We're just like an actor. We, you know, when we... You know, when actors go on television and they do, they do like the Seinfeld show, well, when that Seinfeld show is over and it goes into syndication, guess what? Those people are still getting paid for them rerunning those shows. And why aren't we getting paid as football players for the rerunning 
and the sale of our videos that we were in. Yeah, there's no doubt. I, I'm, I'm on that page with you, Jeff. You, yeah. you, you know that I am, and uh, right. I've always been a, an advocate for uh, repurposing of content and things right. of that nature, which I've you know known about over the years. But 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 certainly you make an excellent point there because there, there's recently there's also uh, there's been some talk about the the lack of a value of the majority. Of, right. of former players, but yeah. it, but listen, we—at least I did. I've always admired the way the NFL has done its business, and it it never, you know, would put anybody out there on an island for them to survive by themselves because there would be no All-Pro quarterback, no Hall of Fame quarterback, no Hall of Fame running back, receiver, or anything if that individual played by himself. He exactly. needs his teammates, right. and, and and so that's why you know when you look at it in terms of okay, well they don't have anybody. Well, I haven't seen EA Sports put out one game where it's a quarterback is the only person on the field. <laughs> yeah, <really. laughs> so, so what do you mean there's no value? You put a team on that game to play. Yeah. So if you're going to go back to, uh, you know, the teams of which you played on or I played on or whichever, you know, listen, we're interested in this because we do have skin in the game. And it kind of bothers me a little bit when they want to devalue, you know, the retired players because there's obviously some people out there. Yeah. That's how you maintain the legacy because the grandfathers talk to the grandsons and get them excited about perhaps maybe participating right, right. in the game or going to buy a ticket or watching it on TV. And, you know, and at the same time, Ray, we're not delusional. I'm not as marketable as Joe Montana, obviously, you know. But like you said, it's a team sport. And one of the things that the NFLPA did, and the reason they got sued, you know, and, in, 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 you know, we filed a class action lawsuit is because when we signed the group licensing agreement, and they, you know, they, they were going to sell that to, you know, or we thought they were going to sell it to EA Sports and Madden Football to have our, you know, images in those games. Well, they told them to scramble the images, and we didn't get anything. And so, you know, it, it's, you know, here we are again now where, you know, we're, we're being offered uh, very shortly uh, group licensing agreements through the NFL alumni. I don't know if people realize this is getting ready to come down the road, but what we need to do, though, is we need to get all of the Hall of Famers to agree to be part of this, too, and all of the great players, because, like you said, this was a team effort. And so, you know, let's say, let's say we get the seven Hall of Famers that are going in this year, to, to, and we get their jerseys, and we have them sign those jerseys, and we put them up on the NFL alumni website, and we tell them that, you know, half the money will go to, you know, you guys, and half the money will go to, you know, all the guys that have signed group licensing agreements. I think most of those guys would agree to do that, you know, because they want as many outlets marketing this stuff as, as possible. They don't care if the alumni does it, the Hall of Fame, the NFL, but whoever can do it. And I think most guys, and D- Joe DeLomler told me he would be more than willing to do that for, to help retired players out. Yeah, and I, some, and I agree. There are some retired players and Hall of Famers that it's all about them. They're, they'll never agree to that. Well, and it, well, we let them go. We let them go their way, but I think I think a majority of them feel like Joe Delamalur does that he didn't get there by himself. And just like you said, it's a team game, and you know why not try to help all of the guys that played in the NFL? And you know what a better what better way to do that than than a group licensing agreement that kind of shares some of the revenue with with some of the guys that maybe are not as marketable. Yeah, and I, you know, and those guys, I mean, I, those guys are very selfish because first of all, uh like we said, there is no you without your teammates. Right. And and in terms of, you know, cutting into what you think you might get your slice of the pie, first of all, it's zero. 
and each time there's a new a deal done, then there is a value acknowledged. So you really don't know what that figure is. So, you know, you don't know if it was going to be 50000 and now because it's including some other people, it's down to 25000 because it, it could have just been twenty five from the very beginning. But I, I think that's extremely selfish of those. I yeah. will go on record of saying that. That's extremely selfish, and I think they all should agree to, to change that because... Well, see, part of this, though, Ray, let me, let me tell you what the, one of the problems is, is we... The NFL is still very protective of their properties, okay? Yes. So, so we can't even get the NFL to allow us to, to kind of partner with, like, Reebok to get those jerseys and with the names of those Hall of Famers on the back and, and, and be able to sell them because they want the profit. Yes. The NFL, they want to get the profit from that vendor. You know, and Reebok, they want the profit from that. They don't... Now, to be honest with you, Reebok probably doesn't care. They, if they sell it to us for a wholesale price, what, it, what the jersey would cost anybody else, when, we, when our Hall of Famer signs that jersey, it becomes a lot more expensive. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. And, yes. So we, and that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to get the NFL to, you know, allow us as retired players to market ourselves and do this kind of stuff. And, and you know, it's just, I don't know. I, I just think there's, there's legal reasons for it what for one thing and we're going to find out a lot about that with when this nfl films case gets uh, certified which i hope it does i mean it, they haven't certified it as a class action suit yet but at some point i think it will be because i do believe they have a very strong uh argument on this on the on the what what they call uh player property yes uh, rights you yes. know so hey jeff listen man I, I hate to do this but uh we're gonna have to cut out i'm not gonna end quite yet i got about another 30 seconds but i just wanted to thank you yeah. uh, for joining me we're gonna have to get you back on we're gonna have to get you back on the network and i appreciate sure all that good stuff you bring to us but we're gonna be talking the next show coming up actually uh it's going to be uh the sports doc, and we're going to talk a little bit about concussions, probably going to talk a little bit about our good, dear friend who's gone on to heaven, uh, Dave Dorson, and, and we know about all those guys, uh, at least those uh, most recently the guys who, who we've lost to, to CTE, so we're going to address some of those issues, but Jeff, just keep bringing that good information to us, man. Keep sending it out. I don't care what the hell anybody says. You know, at least it starts a conversation if right. they like it or dislike it, and I appreciate you sharing that conversation with us here. On hey, Voice Ray, America Sports. And, Ray, I appreciate your uh, having me on the show, and uh, we'll, we'll try to hook up again. Okay, thanks a lot. Hey, you hear that music, you know the show. You've been listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. That was my man, Jeff Nixon, former DB with the Buffalo Bills, sharing information with us. It's that time, so I got to go. I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. The Sports Doc, up next. Go, go, and on the count of three. Go, 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 and on the count of three, everybody run back to your fantasy. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.